is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Have you noticed the media talk more about Stormy Daniels than they do about anything that matters to the American people? Before that, they were talking more about Michael Wolff, the phony author, before anything else that mattered to the American people. Look how the media are giving James Comey every major platform they possibly can to advance his propaganda. They don't talk about China and Russia, Iran and Syria, North Korea. They don't talk about the jobs numbers, the business activity that's taking place in America, the fact that we are now For the first time, energy independent, something that we've been trying to do for half a century. None of it. They don't talk about the massive debt that needs our attention and the yearly deficits that are completely out of control, that Social Security and Medicare are headed for a train wreck. Nothing. They don't talk about the crime on the border from foreigners coming into this country and the effect that has on American citizens. Nothing. A porno star, if she was a star, who entered into a non-disclosure agreement. They now call this hush money. She enters into a non-disclosure agreement. In exchange, she gets $130,000. She has a slip-and-fall Democrat lawyer who used to work with Rahm Emanuel, front and center, giving him attention, like he's, uh, like he's Brandeis. And in fact, he's a legal hitman. And now all day long, all day long, they're talking about Sean Hannity. I talked about this last night. I began the process, both on my social sites and on the air, to stand up and defend my friend and to explain all the contradictions and hypocrites. And I want to thank all the rest for picking up on it. I'm not done. I'm going to continue to do this today. But I want to give you a specific example. Because when you watch all these people in the media, they have all kinds of political friends. They have all kinds of business friends. They have all kinds of lawyer friends. I've seen them. I've seen them at sporting events. I've seen them at restaurants. I mean, think about this a second. This is why I don't completely trust Dershowitz either, because in the end, he's a lib. Dershowitz doesn't go on Fox and say, he goes on Fox repeatedly, but he doesn't go on Fox and say, let me tell you about the discussion I had at the White House with the President of the United States and so forth. It doesn't say a word, and he's not going to. So Sean Hannity talks to this guy, Michael Cohen, long before he ever knew I mean, just based on the public record that the Southern District of New York had the guy in in its target. And uh, he's supposed to reveal that the moment 
There is a story out there about the Southern District of New York and the FBI raiding all these guys' offices. Wait, he's supposed to go in the air and say, oh, by the way, I asked this guy some questions about whatever it was. So I can't talk about it anymore. Or I asked this guy a bunch of legal questions and blah, 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 and now I can't talk about it. Now, how stupid is this? When all these reporters have all these contacts, all these connections behind the scenes, and if you were to question them, they would have to reveal it if they're honest. When you look at Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski, I know it's painful. They're all around Manhattan. This is what they do. They're all around Greenwich Village. They're all around the Hamptons, trying to meet as many people as they can, lawyers and so forth. We have no idea how they choose their guests or their panel members. But their relationships, there's associations. They don't say, hey, you know what? We had Barnacle on here because over the weekend we partied with him. They're never going to say that. And so... This now is the big moral issue. When we found out that Hillary Clinton's campaign and the DNC funded this dossier, and they never confessed, Hillary Clinton didn't admit it, her campaign didn't admit it, the DNC never admitted it, all these same phony journalists, they weren't offended. They didn't find anything immoral about it whatsoever. They still haven't asked Hillary Clinton about it. They still haven't asked Debbie Wasserman Schultz and Donna Brazil about it. They don't care. These reporters are in the shadows all the time, promoting people they like, trying to build contacts, trashing people they don't like. I'm going to give you a perfect example of this. Let's take Politico, one of the sleaziest operations around. Here's a piece in Politico right now. Cohen controversy tests Hannity's Teflon Sean reputation. Make no mistake about it. Hollywood, MSNBC, CNN, other news platforms, they want Hannity out. That's why Media Matter targets Hannity. They're funded by the left heavily. They regurgitate what Media Matters says. I mean, even look at this idiot Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel. Thought this was hilarious last night, apparently. This is a clown who was fed talking points by Chuck Schumer. Now, he didn't admit it. Somebody leaked it. Talking points by Chuck Schumer that came out of his mouth on his show on health care. Cohen controversy tests Hannity's Teflon Sean reputation. I didn't know he had a Teflon Sean reputation. Did you, ladies and gentlemen? This is a news outlet. And who's the clown that wrote this? We'll figure it out. Oh, Cristiano Lima, if that is his or her name. The revelation that Sean Hannity was a client to President Donald Trump's longtime personal attorney. Now, he denies being a client. But it doesn't matter to Politico. They got an agenda. And never disclose the apparent conflict. It's testing the Fox News host track record of skating through controversies, though the network is so far publicly supporting him. Skating through controversies. 
skating through controversies? Are they familiar with MSNBC? They have Al Sharpton as a host. Are they familiar with Chris Matthews? They have Chris Matthews as a host. How about Scarborough and his controversies? He's a host. And of course it goes on. This is Politico. Very concerned about a conflict of interest. And yet, if you turn to the Washington Free Beacon, listen to this headline by Brent Scherr. Politico reporter speaks at confab of anti-Israel group she regularly covers. Let me repeat. Politico reporter speaks at confab at anti-Israel group she regularly covers. Political foreign affairs uh, correspondent Nahal Tusi, if that is her name, spoke on Sunday at a conference put on by J Street. J Street is this rotten to the core poisonous group of self-hating Jews who hate Israel. That's right. That's my opinion. A far-left anti-Israel group currently waging an aggressive campaign against the confirmation of the Trump administration's Secretary of State nominee, Mike Pompeo. Tusi, yes, Tusi was part of a panel titled The Erosion of Diplomacy Under the Trump Administration. This is a reporter for Politico. Tusi. She was joined on stage by Representative Jerry Connolly. I hope Fairfax County, Virginia is listening to me because this Cretan, Jerry Connolly, is part of this crowd. A J Street-backed congressman who's been critical of the administration's Israel policy and Thomas Countryman, a former State Department official let go by the current administration who quickly emerged as a Trump critic. Now, J Street is actively campaigning against the confirmation of Pompeo. It described Pompeo as an advocate for unnecessary wars and predicted he would lead a State Department that would do harm to American security or international reputation and the cause of peace. Now, this Politico reporter, Tusi's coverage of the Pompeo nomination has been hostile, with one report characterizing Pompeo as an often evasive nominee who contradicted himself on issues ranging from the Iran nuclear deal to regime change in North Korea, to President Trump's ties to Russia. And it goes on. <coughs> this is a reporter, so-called. A reporter. Tusi is her name. Did I mention her name is Tusi? Tusi. So Tusi, Nahal Tusi, the political foreign affairs correspondent, she's not a correspondent, she's a propagandist. She's a propagandist. So here's Politico going on Cohen controversy, Tess Hannity's Teflon Sean reputation. One clown reporter for Politico. Here's another clown reporter for Politico at a partisan anti-Israel event. And she is a foreign affairs correspondent for Politico. Has Politico ever revealed who she is? Has Politico ever revealed her association with this organization? Of course not. And this goes on all the time, all the time. Let's take another look. I started this yes last night, so I'm going to continue. There's a great piece by John Nolte at Breitbart today. And we all know what's going on here. They want to take down Trump. They want to take down anybody who's not anti-Trump. The never-Trumpers want to do it. The left wants to do it. The media, the Democrats, Hollywood... 
It's pretty sick, really. And so he points this out. Over at the far-left Politico, Michael Calderon writes that Hannity should have disclosed that he's a client of Cohen's. I would ask Mr. Calderon, what does he think about his colleague over at Politico? But Nolte says, what a wonderful idea. Kathleen Bartson Culver, director of the Center for Journalism Ethics at the University of Wisconsin, told Politico, commentators should still be expected to maintain independence from subjects they're covering and disclose relevant ties. CNN, Media Matters, MSNBC, everyone agrees with this wonderful idea. And Nolte says, and I couldn't agree more. And he says, you know what? Let's have the Sean Hannity doctrine. And insist that the media, the media reveal all of its conflicts of interest. He writes, it's long past time for the media to pour sunshine on any and all potential conflicts of interest. And the timing could not be more perfect. He calls it the Sean Hannity standard. Former President Bill Clinton's very own press secretary, George Stephanopoulos, interviews James Comey, the disgraced former chief of uh, the FBI. Naturally, neither ABC or Stephanopoulos bothered to disclose this. They didn't bother to disclose it. There it is, sitting right in front of us. And he goes on. D.C. is an incestuous pity, writes. What a relief, then, that we will now be able to hold and be told in advance if a commentator reporter has ever shared a lawyer, literary representative, children's prep school, public relations firm, investment manager, or agent with the public figures they report on. Jake Tapper's wife was a regional field manager for the abortion mill Planned Parenthood. And as I said last night, Jake Tapper himself was a spokesman for Handgun Control Inc., Jake Tapper, represented as a press person. Mezvinsky, the congresswoman from the 13th District of Pennsylvania. I know, I used to live in that district. But he doesn't tell people that. Is he supposed to tell people that in every broadcast? Does that mean he should recuse himself from reporting on politics? From reporting on guns? Chuck Todd's, Todd's wife is a Democrat activist. Chuck Todd himself. Work for, I believe it was Senator Tom Harkin as a staffer. CNN regularly reports on Senator Cory Booker. Thank heaven the public will now be informed that CNN chief Jeff Zucker's 14-year-old son was awarded stock options potentially worth millions from Booker. Claire Shipman, a senior national correspondent at ABC News, is married to no other than Jay Carney who is Obama's White House press secretary. I'm taking this from the Nolte piece. Virginia Mosley, a CNN vice president and Washington bureau chief, is married to Tom Nides, who is deputy secretary of state under Barack Obama. CBS News president David Rhodes is the brother of Ben Rhodes, a top foreign policy advisor to Obama, the man behind the Benghazi cover-up and the disastrous Iran deal. Barack Obama attended the wedding of Martha Raddatz, a senior correspondent at ABC News who moderated the 2012 vice presidential debate. Now that we have the Sean Hannity standard, says Nolte, let's have it. All of it. Eric Erickson. About six months ago, give or take, he wrote a piece entitled The Media's Democratic Ties. It was published in Real Clear Politics, among other places. 
Jay Carney went from Time Magazine to the White House Press Secretary's office. Shayla Murray went from the Washington Post to the Vice President's office. That would be Biden. While married to Neil King at the Wall Street Journal. Neil King left the Wall Street Journal to work for Fusion GPS. Linda Douglas went from ABC News to the White House and then the Atlantic. Jill Zuckman went from the Chicago Tribune to the Obama administration's Transportation Department. I'm not done. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, a buddy of mine, he writes me, he says, you're absolutely correct. Relationships are constantly cultivated among reporters and, and others. CNN saying Brett Baer is no business on a golf course with the president is utterly ridiculous. Reporters are in social settings with subjects every chance they can get. That's partly how you get information. And they know it, and I know it, and you know it. Jay Carney... Well, listen, I got 30 seconds here after the bottom of the hour. I want you to hear more of this. I especially want S.E. Cup to hear. And Juan Williams to hear. Boy, did Juan Williams throw his buddy under the bus. Right, Fox? Don't piss in the same tent, right? I'll be right back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit. But most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now, you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. The new American Revolution starts here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at 877-381-3811. Before I get back to this, so let's say Hannity reveals somehow in a bizarre way. I mean, what is the context? He's supposed to say, I asked this lawyer numerous questions, some questions. He was never my lawyer, but I want you to know that. Dershowitz says yes. Now, Dershowitz keeps all of his contact secret. He was over at the White House. He didn't reveal a damn thing about his discussions at the White House. Nothing. I can't tell you that stuff. I can't tell you that stuff. Now, the media, of course, they will protect their sources. They'll go to jail. And they insist that that is a rule that must never bend. But when it comes to attorney-client privilege, because prosecutors say that this particular lawyer is not practicing law, therefore there's no attorney-client privilege... It doesn't work that way, ladies and gentlemen. I don't care what this damn judge has to say. When you need help or you have a question, you go to a lawyer. No, no, you're going to a Mr. Fix-It. Well, what the hell do you think a lawyer is? He or she's a Mr. Fix-It. That's why you go to a lawyer. 
to get something fixed or to get something done. Oh, and they paid hush money. It's called a non-disclosure agreement. Call it hush money if you will. Anybody that's ever lost their job or been fired, they, may, they get a severance payment. You have to fire a uh, non-disclosure agreement. Oh, hush money. So they put the worst possible spin on this stuff. Now we all have to watch every damn night, and our little kids have to watch. Oh, there's a porn star and a slip-and-fall lawyer. Oh, can't get enough of that. Can't get enough of that. So now it's all about Stormy Daniels. Oh, no, no, Mark, you don't understand. There's a bigger principle here. Well, what is it? What is it? What's the bigger principle? Well, Hannity should have revealed that he had a relationship with this lawyer. That is BS. All these clowns on TV, all these clowns in the media beating their chests. They know they've done this and more. How the hell else does a reporter get information? How do you think we have this entrenched establishment? You've seen them yourselves. They, they socialize with each other. You see these politicians going to Hollywood to raise money. You see them working with the media at these different events. One knows another, another knows another. Are they supposed to reveal it every time they report something? Well, they don't. I just told you about Jake Tapper. Has he ever told you about that? How about his wife on Planned Parenthood? Did he ever mention that? I don't particularly care if he doesn't. But he does. Jay Carney went from time to the White House press secretary's office. Shalane Mary went from the Washington Post to the vice, this is Biden, Biden's office while married to Neil King at the Wall Street Journal. Neil King left the Wall Street Journal to work for Fusion GPS. We know all about them. Linda Douglas went from ABC News to the White House and then the Atlantic. Jill Zuckman went from the Chicago Tribune to the Obama administration's Transportation Department. Douglas France went from the Washington Post to the State Department, and Stephen Barr went from the Washington Post to the Labor Department. Ruth Marcus, who heads the Washington Post editorial bar, board, is married to Obama administration's former FTC commission chairman. Jonathan Allen had been at the Politico before going to work for Debbie, <laughs> excuse me, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, then back to Politico before going to the left-leaning Vox. Now he's at NBC News. Andy Barr worked for the Politico. Hey, Politico, pay attention, you miscreants. Andy Barr worked for the Politico before leaving the Democratic politics. Michael Shearer was at both Salon and Mother Jones before going to Time magazine. Laura Rosen was at Mother Jones and the American Prospect before Foreign Policy magazine. Even Nate Silver had started out at Daily Cost. Then, of course, there's Matthew Dowd, who worked for scores of Democrats before working for George Bush. That, though, he later washed his hands of Bush bought him street cred with ABC News to become its senior political analyst, alongside George Stephanopoulos, formerly of the Clinton administration. Now it goes on and on and on. Who are their lawyers? Who are their doctors? What organizations do they give money to? What organizations do their family members belong to? Well, we want to know. 
SE Cup? We want to know. Juan Williams? How about Juan Williams? What politicians does he hang out with? What reporters does he know? I remember when he came under fire. He came under fire by Care and others. The first guy to defend him was Sean Hannity. Doesn't work that way with liberals. Doesn't work that way with Dershowitz. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not going along. I'm sorry. Because they hate us. You understand? They hate us. That's the bottom line. They hate Hannity because they hate you. They hate me because they hate you. They hate Rush because they hate you. And it's not just us and talk radio. They hate Clarence Thomas because they hate you. They hate Ted Cruz and Mike Lee and so forth and uh, Mark Meadows and, and numerous others because they hate you. They mock you. This guy, Stephen Colbert, he doesn't tell you his brother's a big-time Democrat lawyer, does he? This guy, Jimmy Kimmel. What a loathsome moron this guy is. Before he became famous on ABC. The way he mocked women, the way he treated women. Grotesque. Now he's a feminist. Now he's a feminist. But this is what moves them. This is what moves them. Look over there at MSNBC. Chris Matthews. A Democrat hack. He worked for Carter and he worked for Tip O'Neill. That should be painted on his forehead. And who does he hang around with? His wife ran for Congress in Maryland. She failed. Look at Joe Scarborough. Joe Scarborough spends his entire life kissing ass in New York City. It's what he does to try and gain street cred. He'll never gain street cred because he's a moron. Rachel Maddow, a, a conspiracy nut. That Trump and the United States military hit Syria last weekend because Trump wanted to take attention off his problems. She's a nut. But nobody treats her like a nut because they prop her up. They need her. That's why. Go down the whole damn list. What's that fool's name? Uh, uh, I can't remember the other one on MSNBC. Screams at his staff at the top of his lungs. O'Connor. O'Donnell. What's his first name again? Lawrence. Larry. Worked for Democrats on Capitol Hill. Worked with Hollywood. I mean, so Hannity, you see, Hannity works with, we don't know the extent, apparently it's quite minor, with this guy, this Cohen. This Cohen gets caught up in this stuff. All of a sudden, you're supposed to reveal that. You're supposed to reveal that. Hey, press, why don't you reveal your song? Nah, we don't do that. Hey, Joe Scarborough, how do you pick the people who sit around you, including the guy, the sexual harasser, Halpern, and the plagiarist, uh, Barnacle? How did you pick these people? Are they your friends? Do you ever have love? How about these guests that you bring on? How about them? Of course they all know each other. It's a big game. 
But even legitimate journalists, look at legitimate sports journalists. They have to make contacts. They have to socialize with these people. Otherwise, what the hell's the point? And yet they can still report on them. That's okay. It is okay. This is a big lie, what's taking place here. A big lie. And if this is the standard now, as Nolte points out over there at Breitbart, if this is the standard now, the Sean Hannity standard, then let's apply it to every damn one of these people. Every damn one of them. And hence, you have no reason to trust, believe in, or even think they have any credibility, these media types, unless they reveal they put out an arm's length long list of who it is they socialize with, who their lawyers are, who their proctologists are, who the urologists are. We want to know everything. Put out their resumes. Bunch of sanctimonious left-wing kooks. We know what they want. They just want to take down Hannity. Like they want to take down the rest of us who have a microphone or a TV camera. That's what they want to do. This Media Matters is a Kremlin-like operation funded by every left-wing, wealthy, whack job you can think of. They want to destroy... Not just conservative media, but non-Democrat supporting media. And the Democrats love them. And the media use them. That's how you know this is all a farce. It's all a farce. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Oh, perfect. Mr. Producer, you're going to have to send me that stuff. I don't have it in front of me. Once I get it, I will talk about it. Let's take a call. Let us go to Mike, Springfield, Missouri, Sirius Satellite. Go right ahead. Mr. Levin, thank you for your service, past, present, and future. Thank you. I really appreciate everything you do. I know there's a lot of people in the world depending upon your voice, the voice of other conservatives. Um, well, it's very kind of you. A couple of questions. Number one, and you and you can identify with this. Uh, we're in the octagon. What's that? Man, uh, we're in the octagon. Yeah. Our opponent, they've got long fingernails. They're gouging our eyes. They're yep. kicking us in the stones. They're rabbit punching the back of our head. Mm-hmm. Hey, they're kneeing us in the headboard down on the ground. When mm-hmm. are we going to pull off the gauntlet and nuke these guys? When? Figuratively, literally. Uh, well, we're not going to literally do it, but uh, I'm hoping that uh, they'll overreach at some point, and that the American people will will see what what we're dealing with here. But what they are is uh, very dangerous. Uh, the media speak pretty much with one voice. There are a few outlets that are conservative or non-leftist, but there aren't many. Whether it's TV or radio, the media pretty much speak with one voice. Hollywood, even though they're conservatives, most of them are underground. Some of them have the guts to speak out. But, uh, again, mostly speak with one voice. The different uh, movie companies and uh, and so forth. The large TV networks, no question about it. Most of the cable, other than Fox, no question about it. Uh, there's another one uh, that's not. They're already trying to destroy Sinclair Media 
a broadcasting company before it can even do whatever it's planning on doing uh, because the ownership there is religious and conservative. Uh, you know they make a talk radio all the time as an institution, and if they can't take out the institution, they go after the hosts, and they're constantly going after Hannity because for that, for them, that's a twofer because he's on Fox, and, of course, he's the second biggest nationally syndicated host in the country. Um, but here's the problem, my friend. When you look at Congress as an example, the Republicans in, Demo- in the Republicans in the House and in the Senate, one of the things they're now moving towards, they're building a juggernaut towards, is passing a statute to protect Robert Mueller. Rather than passing a statute to protect the President of the United States from Robert Mueller, they're passing a statute, or they hope to, to protect Robert Mueller, an unconstitutional statute in which Congress seizes the authority uh, of a president to determine uh, whether his subordinates can stay or not. And uh, it's just appalling. So the problem is we go into these political battles uh, always limping, always handicapped uh, with these institutions, these cultural and societal institutions, uh, which are pretty much in the hands of the left and even even the so-called Republican Party, the vessel through which we are supposed to challenge and engage the Democrat Party, is enormously weak. Thank you for your call, my friend. Here we found it. Ladies and gentlemen, sure, you can have surgery to look younger. Why on earth would you, would you do that? Listen to Joanne from Connecticut. She knows what she's talking about. Here's what she has to say. My husband looks 10 years younger using Genesel. He saw results the first day he used it. I have also had remarkable results. Can't be without it. Now, I know Chamonix products work. You know how I know? I have family members who use it, and they've been using it for several years. My buddy Teddy, he's a cardiologist. He's a great guy. He uses it. He loves it. Now, imagine the bags and puffiness under your eyes gone. Imagine the bags and puffiness under your eyes gone, you know? It can happen. That takes years off your appearance. Genesel by Chamonix is an easy choice. Genesel contains natural ingredients for incredible results safely and quickly. It's as simple as that. In fact, with immediate effects, you'll see results like Joanne's in as little as 12 hours or your money back guaranteed. It's a big point. You'll see results in as little as 12 hours or your money back guaranteed. And right now is the perfect time to try Chamonix's brand new Genesel eyelid lift for droopy, sagging eyelids. Order Genesel today and get the brand new Genesel eyelid lift absolutely free. Go to Genesel.com, that's Genesel.com, or call 800-SKIN-604. Call now and you, my listeners, get a surprise luxury gift absolutely free. Order now and shipping is also free. The number 800-SKIN-604. 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com, Genesel.com, 800-SKIN-604. Lee, Indianapolis, Indiana, the great WFDM, go! Denali, while we're breaking out the disinfecting sunlight, one of the things that uh, I would love to see disclosed are the details of that congressional sexual harassment hush fund. Mm -hmm. Because apparently they did not pay for that on their own. That was no. put on our dime. So since we would, since we paid for that, I assume that there is no attorney-client privilege there either, and we have every right to that information. You're exactly right. There is no privilege there, and that's number one. Number two, and if that, it's a campaign contribution, 
uh, to enter into a non-disclosure agreement with a porn star, then surely it can be as a campaign contribution, an in-kind contribution, uh, to use tax dollars, as these, these uh, congressmen and congresswomen, uh, I don't know of a woman yet, but these congressmen do, and these senators do, to do the same thing, which essentially benefits their election, if that's the theory. So I agree with you 100%, Lee. Thank you. All right, let's go to Tabitha. Tampa Bay, Florida, Sirius Satellite. Go. Hello, Mark. Thanks so much for all the work that you do, and I love listening to you, and I love my Levin TV. Thank you but very I much. Today, I'm as rabid as you are every day, calling, tweeting, you name it, going crazy with my representative, and I find that I'm no different right now than when I was active with the Tea Party or when Obama was in office. The Republicans have done nothing but fail us. And, and all I see are the issues going before them of we're investigating Trump and nobody's done anything about the uranium transfers. No one's done anything about when the Tea Party was being targeted by the IRS. It's because the Republicans are, as Lincoln put it, they're a house divided. And not just divided in two, but divided in, uh, in, numerous, in numerous pieces. It's a very, very sad thing. It's a complete lack of uh, leadership in the House and the Senate. We'll be right back. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, if you have any no, any doubt what the Democrats are going to do should they win this midterm election, in addition to trying to take down the President of the United States and stop him at every turn, which they've been trying to do in the minority, by the way, uh, they also intend to raise your taxes. And they're not joking about it. They're quite serious about it. They're going to raise your taxes. Nancy Pelosi, did you know they had a tax march rally today? 
You know, when the nation was founded, we had anti-tax marches and protests. The Democrat Party, we have pro-tax marches. Because remember what I always tell you. The Democrat Party is an appendage of the government, and the government is an appendage of the Democrat Party. And one of the reasons they're so furious about Trump, not just his personality and his tweeting and so forth and so on, although that annoys him for sure, is that he's running, quote-unquote, their government. They believe the federal government is theirs. They've created all these bureaucracies, these departments and agencies, No, they haven't created all of them, but they've created most of them. They've created the tax system. Uh, They're the ones that are pushing out regulations left and right. And they believe that the federal government is their property. And you have scores of people, scores, millions of people in the federal government who believe that the Democrat Party is their party. And so that's what goes on. They are furious, absolutely furious that this uh, outsider is president. And let me tell you, they're furious when any Republican's president, quite frankly, but particularly furious with Trump because they used to laugh at Trump. They used to joke about Trump. They thought he was a nobody. They thought he was nasty. They thought he was beneath them. And then he wins and they cannot stand it. And so this tax cut, let me, let me be clear about this tax cut that passed. I understand. I understand that the Republicans like to say it's the biggest tax cut in American history. It's not the biggest tax cut in American history. The biggest tax cut in American history were the two tax cuts during the Reagan administration. Nobody's taxes were increased. Nobody's. He eliminated the death tax. He lowered the top rate of 71% to 28%. Is the top rate 28% today? No, it's 37%. And effectively, people like me pay 41%. What they did do in this tax bill is they took more people off the tax pay, uh, off the tax roll, which I think is a huge mistake. So we have nearly 50% of our fellow Americans who don't pay a dime in federal income taxes. I'm not talking about payroll deductions for Social Security, Medicare, and unemployment and so forth. I'm talking about income taxes, individual federal income taxes. And a percentage of that 50% actually gets a rebate. Now, normally you get a rebate if you actually buy something. So you get a rebate. So it's welfare. Some of you get it and you're mad at me right now. I don't care. It's welfare. So nearly 50% of our fellow citizens do not pay any form of federal income taxes and in fact receive rebates for nothing they paid for. And then on the deduction side, many of you bought into this argument. This is where we uh, came to loggerheads for a period of time. When it comes to your state income taxes, the vast majority of you have a state income tax. Some states don't, but very few. And your property taxes, three-quarters of which are used to fund the public schools in your community. Well, when you combine those, 
you're not allowed coming next year to deduct more than $10,000. I don't care who you are and what you make. So a lot of rich people have many homes and estates, and obviously they're not going to be able to make those deductions, but a lot of you are not rich, and you have a combined tax, property and state income taxes that exceed $10,000, and that's too bad. There's no relief for you. And I could go on and on, and when Paul Ryan was selling this, he was sounding like um, a junior Marxist with his class warfare. Oh, the rich, we're going to get the rich. Now the rich are going to do this, and the rich are going to do that. You know, we're Americans. We're individuals. We believe in success. Somebody might be rich today and poor tomorrow. Same person, depending on what they do. It happens. Everybody who's rich isn't born rich. A small percentage are, but a lot of people actually make money by working hard. And what does it mean to be rich? Is it over a million dollars? Is it over $200,000? Is it over $150,000? What's rich? Well, I don't want to confuse people. But the Democrats want to raise taxes because they say these were tax cuts for the rich. Now, they slashed the corporate income tax rate as they should have from 35%, which is outrageous, to what was it, 21%, 22%, something like that. And the result is more money is flowing into the country, more money is staying in the country, and the money that's staying in the country is being reinvested. Not all of it, but a lot of it. You see job, you see the jobs numbers. They're historic. I don't care if you're white, brown, black, whatever you are. You're seeing record low unemployment. Male, female, whatever you do with your genitalia. Yes, everybody. The unemployment numbers are at historic lows for everybody. And, of course, that is due in part to the corporate income tax cut and the anticipation of the corporate income tax cut. Because what do companies do with money? Do they burn it? Do they use it for wallpaper? They spend it. They can spend it on capital investment, R&D, hiring people, expanding plant, whatever it is. They're in business to be in business. They're in business to make money. What did he say? That's what I said. Government's in business to take your money and spend it. Business is in business to make money and invest it. Which is why Clinton, cleverly, not so, started talking about government spending as investments. But the Democrats don't think your taxes are high enough. The Democrats want to raise your taxes massively. They want to spend more massively. They want to take this country right down the crapper. Here's Jan Schakowsky. Jan Schakowsky's husband, wasn't her husband imprisoned or indicted or something, Mr. Producer? Would you Google her name, please? Something happened to that family. Full disclosure. Gotta have full disclosure around here. I think, as a matter of fact... What was his name? You'll Google that for me, right, Rich? Robert Kramer is her husband or was her husband? If it's him, uh, he wasn't in any criminal trouble. I thought it was somebody else. Well, I love whatever. She's a miscreant. She's from Illinois. She's a left-wing kook. Here's what she has to say. Cut one, go. 
We need a tax code that raises taxes on the rich, ends incentives for corporations to outsource American jobs, and supports working families. Look, we are the richest country in the world. Don't let them ever say that there's not enough money. To now, do now, this is a this is a person who has a third grader grasp of economics, like a child. Don't ever say there's not enough money. There's always enough money. There's always enough money. We're the richest country in the world. There's always enough money. Idiot. Speaking of, there's Nancy Pelosi. She was at this tax march rally today where the Democrats are marching for taxes. And in her usual illiterate and incoherent way, here's what she had to say. Cut to go. It's a scam. And why is it a scam? Look at this. Why her dentures are coming loose? It's a scam. Sounds like Daffy Duck. It's a scam. It's a scam. It's a, well, look at this. It's a scam. Now keep in mind, she and her old man, they own a winery out in uh, wine country. They have non-union labor. Uh, they were trying to pay their property taxes in advance so they could take advantage of the existing tax code and because you see the Trump tax cuts don't exactly help her and her husband. But still, it's a scam. Start at the top, please. Cut to a go. It's a scam. And why is it a scam? Look at this. They put forth a tax bill that gives 83% of the benefits to the top 1%. Now, how can they give 83% of the benefits to the top 1%? Do you know the top 20% of the taxpayers in this country pay 87% of the taxes in this country. Did you know that, ladies and gentlemen? I don't know where she gets her numbers from. She doesn't know either. Doesn't matter. She just spews them out there. Go ahead. They try to call it a middle class tax cut. No, yet- not a middle caste, a middle class. And yet what? Go. 86 million middle class families in the life of this bill will be paying more tax. I, I have no idea what she's saying. Eighty-six percent and what? This will be paying more taxes. Eighty-six million middle-class families. Well, then why do you want to raise taxes? Why do you want to tax more? Why aren't you supporting cutting taxes? Why do you make no sense all the time? Go ahead. They caused uh, giving giving corporate America tr- a trillion and a half uh, dollar tax break tax cut and plus interest taking it's tax a- cuts tax breaks plural go ahead go ahead nancy go ahead trillion dollars further into debt Mortgage wait whoa, whoa 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 didn't she vote for the spending bill of course she voted for the spending bill what is this george stephanopoulos at night he's interviewing a comey in the morning he's interviewing comey what is it? These guys got a bromance going? Anyway, go back. What, what is she saying? Go ahead. Children's future, placing a dark cloud over... We need a new Congress. Co- co- putting a dark cloud o- over, over a dark cloud over this capital, over our budget. So then they say, Ooh. well, we have to make cuts because we've increased the debt. No, no, no. No cuts. Like Schakowsky said before you. We got all kinds of money. We got the richest. We got all money. Don't tell them there's no money. There's plenty of money. Don't say there's not enough money. There's a lot of money. 
Then there's Keith X, a.k.a. Keith Ellison. He was at the tax march rally today. He always has something pretty stupid to say. Cut three, go. Don't be surprised if somebody in another country ends up with a job that used to be done here. It is this tax bill that is driving that. And as a matter of fact, you might think, oh, well, at least I'm comfortable. What, what, what are you talking about? If you're slashing corporate income taxes in our country for companies that are based in our country, why would you be creating a job in another country? Let me ask you, do you have to be a complete economic moron to be a Democrat? I, I'm just curious about this. Do you have to be a complete economic moron to be a Democrat? Go ahead, Keith. Tell us more. Did somebody else somewhere else got a job? Well, not so fast. Because since NAFTA, ta- uh, payment and pay in Mexico has dropped about 13%. How is that? Well, they got... Well, what are you right- talking about? What are you talking about? Go ahead. Got no environmental laws, and they got Mexico has no environmental laws. No, that's a lie. Mexico has environmental laws. Go ahead. Very shaky democracy, and so yeah, if, much like ours, it's very shaky because of jerks like you. Go ahead. I don't want to pay you over there. Guess what? You just don't end up getting paid. Mexico has seen its pay drop, its wages go down. 13%. So not only will people in the United States lose their jobs, people in other countries may get a job that they work less for with fewer rights and might even get shot and killed if they try to form a union. Well, you got all that in two sentences? Man. People in other countries lose their jobs that they work for and with fewer rights and might even get shot and killed if they try to form a union. Well, let's say all that's true. What the hell are we supposed to do about that? What the hell are we supposed to do about that? 12% of Mexico is in the United States. Hello. I said 12% of Mexico is in the United States. 30% of El Salvador is in the United States. Now, he doesn't want to secure the border. He's got no problem with that. That's where you're getting killed on your unskilled jobs right there. But as John McCain once said, who else is going to pick the lettuce? Now we have more Keith Ellison. Cut four. Go. They're going to tell you, oh, cutting taxes, that's going to give more money to big companies so they can hire more of y'all. We know the trickle down has always been a lie. Trickle down's always been a lie, ladies and gentlemen. Because you see, when Ronald Reagan slashed not only the corporate income taxes, but the individual income taxes for the rich, for the middle class, for the not so middle class, for the upper middle class, for everybody, slash them. He created 25 million jobs. More businesses were created in that period of time than ever in modern American history. See, trickle-down doesn't work. Massive taxes, massive deficit spending, massive government. That works. Sure it works. Look at, look at Venezuela. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. This was put out by the Office of Public Affairs at the Department of Justice today. 
Former FBI special agent pleads guilty to leaking classified national defense information. Mr. Producer, I could have sworn Jimmy Comey, a.k.a. the Stormy Daniels of law enforcement, I could have sworn he said, no, we don't do these sorts of things. You have to have strict liability. You have to have strict liability. Terry Albury, a former special agent of the FBI, pleaded guilty today in the District of Minnesota in connection with his unauthorized disclosure and retention of classified national defense information. Assistant Attorney General for National Security John C. Demers, U.S. Attorney Tracy and the whole long list of them, uh, announced the plea. The plea was entered before U.S. District Judge Wilhelmina M. Wright. Today, Terry Albany admitted to violating his oath to protect our country by disclosing to a reporter classified information that as an FBI agent, he was entrusted to protect. Didn't Jim Comey give classified information to a reporter, Mr. Producer? How come he's on a book tour making millions and millions of dollars and also making a big ass out of himself? But how come he is treated that way, but this Terry Albury is going to federal prison? All these other leakers, how come they're free? I remember one of these congressmen or senators, poor Mr. McCabe, he's not going to get his pension. Well, he is going to get his pension late, but he's not going to prison. I'll be back. says today what the backbenchers will repeat tomorrow call mark at 877-381-3811 you know i see uh, by the way before i get back to this uh, fbi agent that a lot of my fellow conservatives are trying to bend over backwards to give neil gorsuch associate justice uh, the court neil gorsuch a break having voted with the majority five to four against the deportation of violent criminals because he says the language in this federal statute that Congress passed is too vague. And yet four other justices didn't think it was too vague, including Sam Alito, Clarence Thomas, and Anthony Kennedy, and John Roberts. He's saying it's void for vagueness. Well, I went back and I read it. And I didn't find it to be particularly vague. And the executive branch does have a role in interpreting a statute. The Constitution wasn't vague when Anthony Kennedy and four others voted against Arizona and its statute, statutes I should say, which did really nothing more than uphold federal law. And they said the President of the United States has this vast discretion. Even though when you read the Constitution... It's Congress that has the vast discretion. Now, that said, if this is the position of the court now, particularly the four leftists on the court, that so many of these statutes can be vague and therefore should be shot down, then there ought to be an attack on the entire administrative state because most of the administrative estate exists because Congress has delegated, it's called the delegation doctrine, has delegated to the bureaucracy that it's created all these lawmaking powers. But we know full well that the four leftists on the court would never vote to do that. In fact, most of the others on the court wouldn't vote to do that. Chevron doctrine or no Chevron doctrine. Anyway, I'm getting in the weeds. Here's the point. No, I'm very critical of what Neil Gorsuch did today. 
Doesn't mean he's not a good justice for most of the cases that he has seen in his one year on the court. But let's not make excuses. Anthony Kennedy and John Roberts found the language specific enough. Clarence Thomas, who really is the North Star here, he found it specific enough, and so did Sam Alito, who's as brilliant as a man can possibly be. But Gorsuch said, no, it's too vague. There's too much discretion here. So he was wrong, in my view. He was wrong, in my view, and I really don't want to hear lawyers all over the place from the Federalist Society and elsewhere trying to make excuses. He can be wrong, and he was wrong, in my opinion. And it's too damn bad. Now we've got to go back to Congress to tighten up the language. Do you think this Congress is going to tighten up anything? Do you think the Democrats are going to allow us to deport criminals? No! They want criminals to vote. Are you kidding me? They want felons to vote. They want to empty our prisons. They're absolutely insane. Now back to this FBI agent. Former FBI special agent pleads guilty to leaking classified national defense information. Now let me ask you a question. He affirmatively leaked some information to a reporter. We have in the case of Hillary Clinton somebody who affirmatively took down the security protections off her server, did it affirmatively, knowingly, and then left the system naked to potential attacks by foreign governments and others, knowing full well that as Secretary of State she would be receiving classified information. And this is part of what I've never understood about James Comey's phony argument. It's not just whether or not she needed specific intent. Of course, it says gross negligence, which is a much lower standard, but specific intent to reveal classified information. She had specific intent to essentially disarm the security system on her server. And that's specific intent enough. And she should have been indicted on multiple counts. And if the Democrat Party nominated her, that's their damn problem. So Terry Albury, a former special agent at the FBI, pleaded guilty today in the District of Minnesota in connection with his unauthorized disclosure and retention of classified national defense information. Disclosure and retention of national security information. Mr. Comey is said to have disclosed classified information and to have retained classified information. Why is he walking on the streets? Why is he being interviewed? Why is he being celebrated by every damn media outlet in this country? When this, this poor schlub's gone to prison. Terry Aubrey betrayed the trust bestowed upon him by the United States said U.S. Attorney Dowdy McCormick. Today's guilty plea should serve as a reminder to those who are entrusted with classified information that the Justice Department will hold them accountable. No, it won't. It'll hold certain people accountable, and certain people will not be held to account. Disgusting. Not that he got it, but that Comey doesn't. Comey's running around with his book deal. Uh Uh-oh, what happened? Oh, my goodness. 
I'm sorry to have to announce this, but former First Lady Barbara Bush has passed away. Former First Lady Barbara Bush has passed away. She was 92 years old. So, uh, she's been in public life, in the public eye, I should say, so long, it's hard to believe, isn't it? And she stood by her man, decade after decade after decade, through wins and losses and wins. And say what you will, that's a hell of a family. Two presidents, one of whom was a governor, and a governor. That's quite a family. So I'm sad to report to you that Barbara Bush has passed away. And uh, we'll say a prayer for her and for her family. Barbara Bush has passed away. She's 92 years was 92 years old. You know, one of the things I really liked about her, whether you agree with every position she held or not, she was not afraid to speak her mind. You know, she was a woman's woman. You know, not, not these leftists today. She spoke her mind. She reminds or reminded me very much of my grandmother, my mother's mother, um, who passed away some time ago. But they weren't part of this sort of new movement and so forth. They just were who they were. But anyway, enough of that. And so we, our deepest sympathies go out to the Bush family, to President Bush, uh, 41, and Barbara Bush has passed away. But I will go to a caller. Jay, Jefferson, North Carolina, XM Satellite. Go right ahead, Jay. I got a question, Mark. First off, caller, um, really upset that... um under uh, Comey's um, handling of the uh, investigation of the Hillary Clinton uh, classified information probe, her attorney, David Kendall, had a thumb drive, was allowed to retain and keep a thumb drive locked up in his office. And I'm just wondering why nobody is trying to attack that point that, you know, so... We, we can let Hillary's uh, attorney keep classified SCIF-related documents on a thumb drive locked up in his office by her attorney, yet they're going to try and go after uh, uh, President Trump's attorney for a uh, porn star on alleged affair that happened back in, you know, 12, 10, 12 years ago. Where's, it's treasonous, Mark. It's well, first of all, all your points are excellent. All your points are absolutely excellent. There's no question that Hillary Clinton's lawyers were able to control all the electronic information and all the uh, paper information, the documents, uh, and control that entire process. You're exactly right. And then here we have a federal judge, Kimba Woods, the love judge, by the way. Go ahead and Google her name and you'll see what I mean. The love judge. And uh, she basically leaves it in the hands of the prosecutors. So I don't disagree with you at all. I think it's an excellent point. 
All right, my friend, I appreciate it. You know, it's been a big past few weeks for the social media elites. We're seeing these companies dealing with privacy and data issues, and, you know, we're just getting started with what they're capable of. These tech giants are using the revenue they get from you to further their liberal agendas. Are you going to sit back, or are you going to finally say enough is enough and join the platform where conservative hosts are headed in droves? When we started Levin TV, we knew it was going to be a good show, a place where conservatives could ask the tough questions and find answers. What we didn't know was that it was going to start a revolution in conservative media. Every day, we're providing a platform for conservative voices that the liberal mainstream media won't allow on their networks. We're providing a home for free thought and the exchange of ideas. But that means we can't get lazy and allow liberal advertisers to fund it. So try us out for 30 days, absolutely free. Use promo code LEVIN and you'll save $10 off our annual pass. So give us a call at 844-LEVIN-TV and we'll get you set up. That's 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-LEVIN-TV. Again, I just want you to be aware that former First Lady Barbara Bush has passed away. Mark LEVIN. You know, George Bush and Barbara Bush were married for 72 years. I'm just reading here. And she met, they met when she was, I think it's 16 years old. And he went off to war. He was a pilot, as you know. I think he was 17, 18 years old. And when he came back, they got married. And she said he was the only boy she ever kissed. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed watching those two together. Didn't you? They had an outstanding marriage. They really did. I want to tell you about Casper. Falling into bed has taken on a whole new meaning ever since I started sleeping on my Casper mattress. Their engineers have created an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience. Get one, and you'll understand why it's the Internet's favorite mattress. Casper has created three unique mattresses to help you sleep cool and comfortably year-round. Now, the Wave is engineered to relieve pressure at 36 different points. The Casper mattress is more breathable and comfortable than ever. And the Essential mattress is innovation at a great price point. All of them are designed to coddle and comfort your every move. The law provides the perfect support for every position you sleep in. Find out why Casper has hundreds of thousands of happy customers like me. Try your Casper mattress for 100 nights in your own home with free shipping and returns. Go to casper.com slash mark and then use code mark to save $50 on the purchase of select mattresses. That's casper.com slash mark code mark to save 50 bucks. Terms and conditions apply. See the site for details. You know, uh, we all have our memories of this couple. But my memory is back to the 1980 campaign. When I was uh, 
campaigning for uh, the would-be president, the soon-to-be president, Ronald Reagan. I'd also campaigned for him in 1976. And, uh, of course, Reagan almost lost in 1980. He almost won the nomination in 1976. But long story short, Reagan was trying to decide who his vice president would be. And there had been some talk with Gerald Ford. It's kind of strange, actually, to try and bring the party together because they wanted to win in the general election. Reagan was an outsider who the establishment had rejected over and over again, but he won the nomination and he won it big. And the main candidate fighting him was George Bush. He called the Reaganomics plan voodoo economics and so forth and so on. But in the end, Ronald Reagan chose George H.W. Bush. And George H.W. Bush was shocked. And I can tell you as somebody who worked in that administration for eight years, which is the greatest professional what thing that I have ever done, ever, working for that president. I can tell you that uh, President Reagan and Vice President Bush really, really liked each other, really respected each other, and very much got along. As did Nancy Reagan and Barbara Bush. And I'm seeing this photo on Fox, and you'll see it all over, where George H.W. Bush went to basically his last ball game, and he looks so ill and so frail, doesn't he? In his wheelchair and so forth. His body looks broken. And she seemed the strong one. No wheelchair, and sitting next to him, gave gave him a kiss on the cheek. But she's the first to go of the two of them. So when I joined the Reagan administration, I was uh, 23 years old. I'm 60 now. And I think back on those days. Reagan is gone, obviously. Nancy Reagan's gone, and now Barbara Bush. That was a real renaissance for America, those eight years. A real renaissance. And she was a wonderful first lady. Wonderful first lady. Again, she didn't have to be part of some woman's movement or anything of the sort. She's a strong lady, raised strong children, taught them right from wrong, a loving mother, but a mother who would discipline. She was the wife of a president and the mother of a president. That's really remarkable. And then when you add Jeb Bush mother of another governor. We're only on this planet for so long. We're only on this planet for so long, you you need to make the most of it. And she certainly did. So Barbara Bush passed away. She was 92 years old. And she will be missed. Because she was not only liked and loved, she was admired. 
And of course, uh, I and most of you are sorry to see her go. It's an odd moment in talk radio. I will be getting back to the regular format in the next hour, which includes commercials, but that's what we do. So I'll be right back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello everybody, Mark Levin here. Our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I never knew Barbara Bush. I always felt like I did. Always felt like I knew George H.W. Bush because, again, I worked in eight years of my life in the Reagan administration. Outside the White House, in the White House, outside the White House again. And he was enormously loyal to Ronald Reagan, and Reagan was loyal back. Now, as time writes, um, Barbara Bush. The beloved wife of one former president and mother of another died at the age of 92 today. The former first lady and former President George H.W. Bush had the longest lasting marriage in presidential history, 73 years. As the Bush family matriarch, Barbara Bush dropped out of college to follow her childhood sweetheart and kept following as he went from the House of Representatives to the United Nations, to the Central Intelligence Agency, the Office of the Vice President, and finally to the White House. And I might add, there was one point he was also chairman of the Republican National Committee. Her son, George W. Bush, became the 43rd president of the United States, while another son, Jeb Bush, served as governor of Florida and unsuccessfully sought the presidency in 2016. In total, she had six children, one of whom died, by the way, a daughter, and 14 grandchildren. And it is said when that daughter died and Mrs. Bush was in her 20s, obviously she suffered enormously emotionally and her hair turned white and she decided she would never dye it. She would leave it white. The statement from the office of George H.W. Bush a former First Lady of the United States of America and relentless proponent of family literacy, Barbara Pierce Bush, passed away Tuesday, April 17, 2018, at the age of 92. She is survived by her husband of 73 years, President George H.W. Bush, five children and their spouses, 17 grandchildren, seven great-grandchildren, and her brother, Scott Pierce. She was preceded in death by her second child, Pauline Robinson, quote-unquote, they called her Robin Bush, and her siblings, Martha Rafferty and James R. Pierce. The official funeral schedule will be announced as soon as is practical. End. After a series of hospitalizations, <clears throat> a family spokesperson announced on April 15th, I guess that was Saturday, that the former First Lady would no longer seek medical treatment. Instead, the statement read, 
she would focus on comfort care. Now, despite her failing health, members of the Bush family have said she leaned into her fighting spirit in her final days. She's a fighter. She's an enforcer, her granddaughter, Jenna Bush Hager, said on NBC's Today Show. Bush was born in 1925, the third of Pauline and Marvin Pierce's fourth children. The family lived in Rye, New York, and Bush attended prep school in Ashley Hall in Charleston, South Carolina. She was 15 years old when she met her future husband at a party in Connecticut while she was on Christmas break. About a year and a half later, the two were engaged before he went off to serve in World War II. So she was, what, 17 years old. On January 6, 1945, they married. Barbara has said George H.W. Bush was the first man she'd ever kissed. When I tell this to my children, they just about throw up, she said in 1989. As a political figure, Bush was a widely respected and fierce woman who was appreciated for her biting wit, unwavering support of family, and her frank disposition. As Time noted in 1989 profile, the First Lady's relaxed nature was a welcome departure from the glitz of her predecessor. So, of course, they attacked Nancy Reagan. Her sense of humor came in handy on the campaign trail, and her influence over her husband was noticeable. During Bush's post-election vacation, he was asked whether he had received any advice about his new job in 1989. He smiled broadly and pointed to his wife standing nearby in tennis shoes and sweats. Barbara raised her eyebrows and said, just kidding, replied Bush. No, she's not. So, uh, when the Bush family announced that Barbara's health was failing, there was an outpouring of support and prayer from politicians, pundits, and everyday Americans. Many on Twitter shared clips from a 1990 speech she delivered at Wellesley's college commencement. At that time, some students protested the former First Lady's selection because she was not a career woman. The Silver Fox, as she came to be known, addressed the controversy head on. She said, somewhere out in this audience may even be someone who will one day follow in my footsteps and preside over the White House as the president's spouse, and I wish them well. Actually, she said, I misread this, and I wish him well. In that speech, Barbara notably said, at the end of your life, you will never regret not having passed one more test, winning one more verdict, or not closing one more deal. You will regret time not spent with a husband, a child, a friend, or a parent. Now that is a fact. You will regret time not spent with a husband, a child, a friend, or a parent. That is so true. Susan, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. How are you? Hi, Mark. I'm just um, so glad that you're you know, giving the Barbara Bush this um, legacy some uh, time here. Um, she just had such a way about her. I totally admired her, you know, with uh, always on how composed she was under pressure. And I remember one of the things that happened when um, George W. and Laura 
you know, in the White House with their two cute um, teenage twin girls. And, oh, you know, oh, whores, they were caught drinking margaritas or something. <laughs> and since, you know, George W. had his issues um, with, with um, you know, having a few cocktails here and then, um, and then someone put a microphone in her face and said, like, well, what do you think about this? And she just, like, she just, like, said, oh, well, George is getting some of his own. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> Totally shut it down. She just had such a way to turn a phrase. So to me, she was the epitome of class, loyalty, and um, devotion. Um, and I, I, I just admire her and hope I can, you know, just take some of those lessons and apply yeah. them. All right. That's very sweet. Very sweet. Thank you. Your memories on uh, Barbara Bush, John, Klamath Falls, Oregon, the great K-A-G-O, go. Go ahead, John. Your husband took his pilot training at a Navy station located in the middle of the Detroit River, a place called Grosseal. And uh, I recall that those yellow biplanes going over the overhead all the time when I was a little blue boy. And... At that time, when the uh, they did not have sufficient uh, billeting for the married housing on the island or on the navy base, and so the uh, my hometown, which was contiguous with Grosseal, a little place called Trenton, Michigan, uh, took the, the took them in, took the the military people in to their private homes, and uh, George and Barbara were states were billeted on on Rosewood in in uh, Trenton, Michigan. And the, uh, I don't remember it, but some of my older friends remembered it real well. On Sundays, the two of them walking hand in hand uh, mm-hmm. with him and his whites and walking, walking by and watching the, us playing baseball or football on the island, on an empty uh, field there on, the, on Rosewood. It's just a, a kind of a warm feeling that they, they were walking and everybody that saw them there comments on the fact that they were walking around hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, my friend. Thank, thank you very much. David, Alexandria, Virginia, the great WMAO. Go right ahead. Hey, Mark, in my hand I have American Life by President Reagan's autobiography, and he had very kind things to say about it. And if I may uh, quote President Lincoln in a message to the Bush family, mm-hmm. may our Heavenly Father assuage the anguish of your bereavement and leave you only the cherished memories of the love. Mm -hmm. All right, my friend. Very, very well done. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. She was 16, a student at the private Ashley Hall School in Charleston, South Carolina. This is from the Mercury News. When she met George Herbert Walker Bush, who was then attending the private Phillips Academy in Andover, Massachusetts. A romance was sparked at the 1941 Christmas dance and continued mostly through letters. She later called him her first love and said he was the only boy she ever kissed. She entered Smith College in 1943, but as she told United Press International years later, didn't like to study very much. The truth is, I just wasn't very interested. I was just interested in George. 
She withdrew from Smith in 1944 after their engagement was announced. Her fiancé, a handsome Navy pilot, was serving in the South Pacific on September 2, 1944, when his plane was hit by enemy fire. He was rescued in the water. They married on January 6, 1945, while George was on home, was on, home on leave. He had named his bomber plane Barbara. After the war... She went with him to New Haven, Connecticut, where he graduated from Yale University and then to West Texas. Many years afterward, Barbara Bush told the Post that her early experiences in Texas helped toughen her for public life. When you become a couple all grown up, nobody's son or daughter, nobody's shadow, you are you, she said. For me, it was a very healthy thing. I grew up after I left the shadow of my mother. In 1953... The Bush family was devastated by the prolonged suffering and eventual death of daughter Robin, whose full name was Pauline Robinson Bush. Decades later, Barbara Bush would still choke up when speaking of her. She said, I was combing her hair and holding her hand. I saw that little body. I saw her spirit go. Uh, Barbara was thrust into despair by the ordeal and its aftermath. But the Post reported that Robin's death deepened Mrs. Bush's bond with her son George, who was seven at the time, the oldest. He would tell friends he could not go out to play because his mother needed him. And he worked hard to cheer her up, shaping as it happened his ebullient personality. <clears throat> Mrs. Bush gradually regained her equilibrium. With her husband, she started a foundation that raised money for leukemia research and awareness. She also spent considerable time helping guide her son, Neil, through his struggles with dyslexia. She said her son's reading disorder contributed to her devotion to literacy as second lady and then as first lady. George H. W. Bush's career, many careers, in the oil business and public service, often kept him away from home, leaving Mrs. Bush as the authority figure. She drove the carpools and stuffed five kids in the car for the annual summertime cross-country trips to the family retreat in Kennebunkport, Maine. She acknowledged that once her youngest child left home, she fell into depression. She attributed her feelings, at least in part, to the lack of purpose she felt as her children and the woman's movement came of age. Suddenly, Quote, suddenly woman's lib had made me feel my life had been wasted, she told USA Today in 1989. She said that her husband helped her overcome her doubts and that she also began to take satisfaction in seeing her children develop into self-sufficient adults, even if some, particularly the one who had become president, showed fiery, independent sides. By his own admission, George W. Bush drank too much in his youth and gave his parents many headaches before a newfound religious fervor in his 40s changed his life. Mrs. Bush simply called her son a late bloomer. <laughs> Bear with me, my asthma's kicking in here. Neil, the fourth child, was a director of the Denver-based Silverado Savings Alone and was enmeshed in its collapse in 1988 which cost taxpayers more than a billion dollars. He and other directors settled the case. Neil Bush paid a $50,000 fine. See, they can't just do these remembrances 
with class. The media can't help itself. Besides her husband, survivors include five children, George, Jeb, Marvin, who co-founded an investment firm, Neil Bush, and Dorothy Bush uh, Koch, who has worked in fundraising and philanthropy, a brother, 17 grandchildren, and seven great-grandchildren. So, uh, let's see here. She spoke at this Wesley College in 1990, as I mentioned. She told the graduates to cherish your human connections, your relationships with family and friends. She had abandoned some of the reserves she cultivated as First Lady by the time her son was elected president in 2000. Anyway. Anyway, she's gone. So... uh, Let's take a few more calls here. Denny, Dayton, Ohio. How are you? How are you? I'm doing fine, Mark. How are you? Okay. You know, Mark, I, I actually met Barbara Bush back when she was First Lady uh, in the early 90s there, in the 90s. I lived in uh, Dayton's historic Oregon district where the houses are about, you know, 10 feet apart. <laughs> They're on the old parts of town. And I had a neighbor who was actually Barbara Bush's niece. Hmm. And I and I came home for lunch one day, and I had completely forgot that Barbara Bush was in town giving some speech to some group. And as I, I got out of my, my truck, my work truck, contracting truck, and I was walking toward my house, I saw these men in dark suits, long coats, and <laughs> glasses, and thought, what's going on here? And I had a um, like a athletic pocket thing, and I had my hands in my pockets, and I suddenly realized they pulled my hands out real quickly, so I because they were taking interest in me. Mm-hmm. And I stepped over, and at that moment, uh, Barbara Bush and my neighbor emerged from the house because she was leaving, uh, headed for the limousines. And I um, said hi to my neighbor, and she introduced me to Barbara Bush. And I was just going to say hi and withdraw, but I was, I was impressed that Barbara Bush engaged me, mm-hmm. um, asked me, what I did and what I was about and all this. And I just, I just, it left a really big impression with me is how that woman, uh, in, in the places she had been, the people she'd met, that here I am just, you know, the, the Joe Schmo neighbor next door. But she took the time to ask me about me, how I was doing and what was going on. Thank you, Denny. Thanks for sharing that, my friend. We'll be right back. statement here from um, trying to find it sorry I thought I had it right here Uh, there's a lot coming in here from uh, George W. Bush and he said uh, my dear mother has passed on at age 92 Laura, Barbara, Jen and I are sad but our souls are settled because we know hers was. Barbara Bush was a fabulous first lady and woman unlike any other who brought levity, love, and literacy to millions. It goes on. Um, but unfortunately, I can't find it right now. Have you ever taken your car in for an oil change? Your mechanic finds something wrong and surprise, you're hit with a huge repair bill. 
And what happens when you're not covered by the manufacturer's warranty? You're paying out of your own pocket for it, right? Well, that costs an enormous amount of money. That's why I recommend extended vehicle protection from CarShield. If your car has 5,000 to 150,000 miles, CarShield can save you from paying for high repair bills. Replacing your engine or even a simple sensor can cost thousands. And when you're protected by CarShield, you can have your favorite mechanic or dealership fix your car. It's your choice. CarShield also provides 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed for free. Get covered by the ultimate in extended vehicle protection. Get CarShield. Call 800-CAR-6100. 800-CAR-6100. Mention code LEVIN. Or visit carshield.com, carshield.com. Use code LEVIN, that's L-E-V-I-N, to save 10%. That's carshield.com or 800-CAR-6100. And use code LEVIN in either case and you'll save 10%. A deductible may apply. You know, it's the least we can do this hour. We'll talk about Barbara Bush and the Bush family. I've got other things here, but I choose not to get into them right now. This is uh, front and center. Dorothy, Clayton, Georgia, Sirius Satellite, how are you? Yes, sir. Go right I'm ahead. Sorry. Yes, sir. Yep. I'm sorry. I had I, I, I had to turn down my radio. Hello. Okay. Yes, go right ahead. Well, um, I was listening to your show tonight, as I normally do. I'm waiting to pick up my daughter from soccer, and um, this is how I heard of the passing of First Lady Barbara Bush. And um, it was remembering a time when I had the opportunity to meet her. Um, she and her husband came to the college campus where my father was president, and her husband was giving a speech, and so we were introduced to um, Vice President George Bush and Barbara Bush. And my father, um, as he was introducing uh, my brother first and then me, first introduced my brother and said, this is my son, John. And she turned to my dad and said, so you did it all yourself. And then he said, he took a, he took a breath and said, this is our daughter, Dorothy. And she said, you learn... <laughs> She said, you learn fast, and then I was 13 at the time, and she turned to me with a, you know, just a beautiful smile, and I shook her hand, and she said, be nice to your mother. And um, mm-hmm. it was just, it was a remarkable visit, a remarkable opportunity to meet um, both Mrs. Bush and her husband, and I just, um, and now as I'm waiting to pick up my teenage daughter, I remember <laughs> her words, be nice to your mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you pass that on. Yes. All right, yes. Dorothy. Thank you for sharing that. Appreciate it very much. Joyce, Clifton, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go right ahead. Hi, Mark. Yeah, I'm hi. Lower, lower your radio just a bit. Oh, I just walked out of the room. I didn't think you could still hear it. <laughs> All right. Oh, I'm your crazy 80-year-old fan that reads your books in the parking lot while we're standing online to get you to sign them. <laughs> oh, thank you. And I was there with my son, and I squealed on him and told him how he hid all of your competitor, that clown who thinks he's a politician, all of his books, and put yours on top. So, oh my goodness! Body thought and cost, so it was you. <laughs> but we laughed at you with your wife, and that was fun. So I figured if you could remember who we are. Yes. Uh, my son, my youngest son, Stan, was in. 
supposed to lead the inauguration parade for President Reagan in the bosom. So the first time we saw her uh, was in the basketball gym because the only thing out in uh, Pennsylvania Avenue was the Alaskan Dogs Club team. All right. So, but when I did get to meet her, was the opening of the aquarium. Ma'am, I, I, we're having trouble hearing you. I apologize. I don't know if it's the connection or what it is. But I've been hanging in there hoping it will clear up, but it's not clearing up. So I'm very, very sorry. Very sorry. Let us go to Jackie, Fort Walton Beach, Florida, on Sirius Satellite. How are you? I'm fine. I am calling. I had the pleasure of meeting Barbara Bush. Uh, We were stationed at um, Andrews Air Force Base, and she came out to talk to the Officers Wives Club. And she was so gracious and so appreciative of the military. She was just a wonderful woman, and I I just hate to lose her. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Uh, after she left the White House, she went on with her work and her foundations and so forth. She didn't get involved in politics. She didn't make a whole lot of comments about, you know, uh, Bill Clinton and the Obamas and so forth and so on. She was a class act, I thought. She is. She was very much so. All right. Thanks for your call, Jackie. Larry, Evansville, Indiana, the great WGBF. Go right ahead. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I, I just think that everybody needs to realize that even though the, all, there's a great loss in her family, I think Evan has, Evan's got a great gain here. And over my years, I've, I've, I've realized that there are three types of females. There are girls, there are women, and there are ladies. And Barbara Bush was truly a lady. Mm-hmm. And, that's, uh, and I pray for her family. All right, thank you. Let us continue. Zach, Tri-City, Washington State. How are you, Zach? The great 870 KFLD. Yeah, hi, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, my wife doesn't listen to your show, but but I do, <laughs> and uh, she. We have this very very cute picture of her and Barbara Bush when uh, my wife was about seven years old, and uh, she gets embarrassed telling the story, but uh, I think it's pretty cute. She was uh, her dad is a, a radiation oncologist, and he was being honored at a dinner at the White House. Uh, I don't remember when, sometime in the 90s. And uh, it was a room full of doctors and medical staff. And my wife, and she was about seven at the time, like I said, and uh, Barbara, Mrs. Bush, sought her out and came over and said hi to her and uh, made her feel special and and uh, took, a, took a picture with her. And, uh, Wonderful. I just thought that was very, very special, and it's an awesome thing it is. that we have. And hold, we have. hold on to that picture very tightly. Yes, I, I will. Uh, make sure she, she shares it on Facebook today just to, to uh All right, Zach. Thank you very much for sharing that. You know, folks, in the bunker, I have a number of... Uh, Photographs signed. Most people have not seen the bunker. Almost nobody has seen the bunker. And there's a photo of Richard Nixon that's signed when I was a very young kid. 
not very young, how old, 14, something like that. And he was in trouble. I sent him a copy of a portrait that was painted of him that I got from the Smithsonian with a handwritten note and asked if he would sign it and wished him well, and he signed it. During the summer of of, uh, 1976, the Bicentennial, I was in an honors program at Georgetown run by the Fund for American Studies. And I was backing Ronald Reagan in that primary, but I had an internship, believe it or not, at the Ford White House in the research department that provided research for the speechwriters. And I have a photo signed by Gerald Ford. I've got all kinds. I mean, I'm working with Reagan. I'm a signed photograph with the president, President Reagan, Mrs. Reagan. Several. I have a photograph of George H.W. Bush and me. And as I stand here at my microphone and I look around, of course, most of my cherished photos are of my family. I look around and you you see your life in front of you. I see a certificate I received when I was the youngest elected member ever, at least back then in the history of Pennsylvania, to my local school board when I was in law school. My law school degree, my high school degree, my college degree. My bar mitzvah certificate. And you look around <clears throat> at a time like this and you think about these things. You think about people who are here and people who aren't here anymore. People who've affected your life. Um, Some of you complain that I talk too much about Reagan and the Reagan administration. You need to understand, I don't just come to radio as a guy who wanted to do radio, although I always wanted to do radio. But I wanted to work for Ronald Reagan. I wanted him to be President of the United States. I wanted to serve in his administration. And I did those things that I wanted to do. Because I knew he would make a difference. Today, I want our principles to prevail because I know they will save the country. But as I look at these, as I stand here and look at these various photographs, different men, different women, their signatures and so forth and so on, I look at my late grandmother, look at my parents, photo of my mother when she was a teenager, my father when he was in the army, look at these things. You know, when somebody passes, you think about these things. When somebody passes who, who's prominent or makes a, different in your li- a difference in your life, you think about these things. And it causes you to assess and reassess. And so I didn't want to skip over Barbara Bush's death quickly. Hit it for five minutes. I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about it as somebody who served in that administration for eight years. Not the Bush administration. I left. But the Reagan administration, or as it was called the Reagan-Bush administration. Walt Lewis Delaware, the great WGMD. Go. Good evening. Years ago, I worked for a major television network. And during 41's administration, we interviewed the president at the presidential library. 
following the interview. Now, which president are we talking about? President H. Uh, George H.W. Okay. And uh, after the interview, we're cleaning up all the equipment and whatnot. And the first lady came in all dressed up and said, gentlemen, I have a problem. The Queen of Africa is going to be here to visit in a few minutes. But it's I have to go out and exercise, play with the new puppies of Millie and Ranger. They're, they're spaniels. So she took us out to the backyard of the White House. And we're rolling around in the grass having a play, a great time playing with those puppies. And then somebody came and whispered in her ear that the queen of, uh, of uh, Africa was arriving at the White well, House. Well, the queen of a country in Africa, yeah. Yes, exactly. And, uh, and that was our 15 minutes of fame working with <laughs> the, the president's uh, wife and the puppies on the White House lawn. There you go. That's great. Very good, Walt. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You've heard me talking about Equifax, the Equifax breach. It's one of the worst breaches of financial information in history. We all wanted to believe companies would clean up their acts, but they haven't. It's only gotten worse. Every week, we're hearing about another breach. Now it's Panera Bread and Delta Airlines and the Facebook situation. First, it was 50 million people. Now it's 87 million. Now, I wonder how many other breaches there are that we don't even know about yet. You can't wait around to see what happens. You have to protect yourself like I did. I found the best company to take care of me and my parents, as a matter of fact, My ID Care. For less than 10 bucks a month, My ID Care covers you for the nine types of identity theft and they provide a 100% identity recovery guarantee if you do fall victim or your money back. Now, you can't find this level of protection anywhere else. Learn more and get 15% off at myidcare.com with promo code MARK. Or call 866-334-3084. That's 866-334-3084. Myidcare.com, promo code MARK. Or 866-334-3084. My wife, Julie, writes this. Uh, we were at George Bush's, George H.W. Bush's, one of his inaugural balls. And I went there with my parents. And when Barbara Bush walked in with her husband, I yelled out the top of my lungs, Barbara, you are beautiful. And she looked over in the crowd to where the voice came from and looked at me and she said, thank you, so are you. Just a nice lady. Could be tough, but that's that's okay, too. All right. Let's go to Sterling, Belton, Texas, the great KTEM. We're running out of time. Go right ahead. I can't believe you picked me up. Uh, I was in the Marine Corps, 1st Battalion, 23rd Marines out of Houston, Texas. Back God bless in you. 2004, we got activated for deployment to OIF-2 in Al-Anbar province, Iraq. And we had a formation, which we have multiple times a day in the, back then. So nothing to do about that. But who showed up on an ounce was George H. Bush and Barbara Bush. And there was no media, no cameras, no news. They just gave a heart-to-heart about the mission. And we embraced that. And they were gone in about five minutes. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to pass that along. Wonderful. 
All right, my friend, I appreciate it very much. All right, let's take another call here. Let us go to uh, Brian, Indianapolis, on Sirius Satellite. Go right ahead, my friend. Hello, Mark. How you doing? It's a it's kind of a sad day today. I uh, I met Barbara, the best lady. Reminds me of my grandmother when I laid in Walter Reed after Desert Storm. I got hurt. I was in the Third Battalion, Seventy Fifth Ranger Regiment, and she came to me. And was like a grandmother to me, you know, when I didn't know if I was going to, you know, make, you know, I mean, I'm in pain, you know, and, and just her touch on my arm mm-hmm. made me want to be, you know, better, you know, it, it's just, it's extremely hard to describe what the touch of mm-hmm. her did to my soul and my heart. It's, mm-hmm. it's just amazing. I wish there was more people like that in this country today. And how are you doing, Brian? Oh, I'm fine. I Oh, I'm good. I I healed up, stayed mm-hmm. in, got sent to Somalia, got hurt, got sent back to Walter Reed, mm-hmm. and all I got when I was there during the Clinton years was a photo op to try to cover his mistakes up with all mm-hmm. his stuff. So it's totally it was totally different. Totally different. Mm-hmm. All right, my friend. I appreciate your call, and God bless. Thank you for your service. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, and Barbara Bush and the Bush family. We thank Barbara Bush for serving us as long as she did. And the nation weeps for her tonight. And I will see you tomorrow.